holy sweet mother of God shit. Hello, hello, hello. What, what, the, what the hell are you doing? I hope no one's eating dinner. The next best thing, every Monday night from 10 until midnight on Radio Free Brooklyn. Fun for everyone except for dear Jesus. Something like that. Holy sweet mother of God, it is 10 o'clock on a Monday night, so you know what that means. Is it time for your favorite show ever? No! But it is time for the next best thing. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, keeping you company every Monday night from 10 until midnight right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Can you hear me? One second. Testing. One, two, three. Are we on? Great. Anywho, let's do the housekeeping that we always have to take care of. Let's just get it out of the way right off the top. You can tweet at us. We are at Next Best Radio. That's at Next Best Radio. Or go ahead and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. A lot of stuff gets posted on our Facebook page, stuff that we talk about in any given episode, information, links to pertinent sites, all that stuff. Usually goes up on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash NBT radio. Also, if you're really feeling like you want to go all out and write it's more than 140 characters, more than something you'd feel comfortable posting on a Facebook wall. You can always feel free to send us an email. We are at nextbestthing at radiofreebrooklyn.org. And lastly, we do ask you to remember that we are fully listener and producer supported. If you like what you hear on Radio Free Brooklyn, if you like what you hear tonight, please consider going to our website, going to this show's page, and donating a little something something to keep us in business if you like what you hear tonight well a donation could ensure that you will get to hear more next week and the weeks after that uh if you feel so inclined you can go to rfb.nyc slash nbt again that's rfb.nyc slash nbt oh man that was exhausting wasn't it it was for me i'm sure it was for you too so that's all the housekeeping I can think of right now. If I've forgotten anything... Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Good. Yes, a NBT special report. First of all, the reason you heard the Avengers theme twice is because I'm an idiot, but also because I saw that movie. This is not the special report. This is what I'm opening with. Okay. Thinking out loud. That's important. Listen. So, I went and saw that movie, the Avengers Endgame movie. Big, have you heard about this? Because if not, check your pulse. You must be dead. The Avengers Endgame has is smashing records, box office records. I believe it has already surpassed Titanic in its opening weekend amount or whatever, billions and billions, and it's now on the tail of Avatar. So sorry, James Cameron, you're about to get beaten. I went to see this movie last night with a friend of mine. We saw it in 
the IMAX. We saw it in IMAX. Why am I so loud? Let's give it. Hold on. Hold on. Hello. One second. Testing. One, two, three. Perfect. Okay. I saw it on an, on an IMAX screen. Here's the only problem. <laughs> I've seen Captain Marvel, and that is it. What? Here's some advice. If you haven't seen Ant-Man or Ant-Man 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp, if you haven't seen any of the Captain Americas, if you haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy, if you haven't seen any of these superhero movies, it's not like watching Home Alone 2 having not seen Home Alone 1. You, you, you'd need to probably see some of these movies first. Uh, it was a spectacle. It was certainly a spectacle. But there were plenty of times I didn't know what the fuck was going on. And having said that, I have nothing against superhero movies. I saw all three Spider-Man movies when Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man. Since then, there have been at least 15 more. I loved Tim Burton's Batmans. I was young enough to even like the Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. And I fucking love Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, Dark Knight, or excuse me, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises. Love them. I love those movies. And I didn't even really mind Man of Steel. I'm not a Superman guy, but I don't mind Man of Steel. It was fine. There are way too many superhero movies. Now, that's not breaking news, and I know I'm not, like, revelatory saying that. But seriously, there's too many superhero movies. And what is with Captain America having no superpowers? I mean, my friend had to explain this to me last night. By the way, I went to this movie because my friend asked me to. And before, say, before I could really say no, he already bought tickets. And that's fine. I guess I should see it since it's such a cultural phenomenon right now. But again, I'm going to say this to the world. Don't see it if you haven't seen any, any, any of the previous movies. It won't make any sense. So... Yeah, that happened. Now, now to the breaking news report, and this is real. It's just now breaking that Steve Mnuchin, Treasury Secretary of the United States, is refusing to give up Donald Trump's tax returns. Seriously? Yes, that's right. The Treasury Department has said just tonight that it will not release his tax returns to Congress, defying a request from House Democrats and setting up a legal battle. This is unprecedented. Now, he said the reason he's not going to do it is because... Quote, it lacks a legitimate legislative purpose. Are you mad? Are you mental? Are you totally deranged? That is not for him to decide. This, these people, these fucking people. Tired of it. I'm tired of the clown show. Okay, this committee, it says in the Constitution, they are allowed to request tax returns of anybody. Of anybody. Doesn't matter. Could be you, could be me. Could be the president. And it says that the Treasury Secretary shall provide them. That's what it says. And here's this guy saying, no, no, I'm not going to do it. Because I, whatever. I mean, you guys are just partisan and you're just mean. Listen, you son of a bitch. What the fuck's your problem? That is not for him to decide. God damn it. And why do you think he thinks he can say that? First of all, I don't really know that he is the one who even decided not to turn them over. I'm sure... Donald Trump called his ass up and said, Look, you release those and I'll have you killed, okay? I know people. I know all the best people, obviously. So that's that. 
All right, that basically leads us into the week that was, because this has been a whole week of crazy ass shit, and I'm not happy about it. We have a guest tonight, Jake Williams of Bright Sun Films will be calling in, and it will be very lovely to talk to him. Before we get to that, though, we need to discuss William Barr, the Attorney General of the United States. William Barr testified last week, was supposed to testify again, but just decided not to show up. So let's let's go over this because this is we're going to have a lot to chew on here. You're listening to the next best thing. Here's what's making news tonight. A few weeks ago, Attorney General William Barr testified under oath that there were never any issues, objections, or concerns raised by Robert Mueller about how Barr handled his report or his way of presenting the report to the media. His four-page summary, totally fine with Robert Mueller. They hadn't, he hadn't heard anything. He was fine with it, but they were working together. Pardon me, but that's bullshit. That turned out to be what we call in on Earth a lie. It was false it was not true, and he knew it wasn't true. Bullshit. We now know that Robert Mueller sent multiple letters and emails to Barr telling him that he did not approve of the way he was summarizing his work. He was mischaracterizing his work. His work. He was confusing the American people. He was rendering their work for nothing because the whole point of the special counsel was to find answers to get to the truth and to present it to the American people in a clear, concise way that they could understand. Barr was fucking all of that up. He was mischaracterizing the work and but Mueller knew it and he was not quiet about it. Mueller and his team spent two years doing this work. They care about how it's presented. They care about what they, it results in. And did I mention that lying, which is what William Barr did to Congress under oath, is a federal crime. Yes! If anyone knows that, it should be the Attorney General. He lied to Congress. That's a crime. You son of a bitch! So last Wednesday, Barr was back under oath, testifying on what was supposed to be the first of two days. I already mentioned that. He didn't show up the second day. And he revealed himself to the entire world. We now know who he really is, and it's... We should have known it before, but we certainly know it now. William Barr imploded. No wonder he refused to show up the next day. He probably knew that he had just completely folded under pressure and just had his ass handed to him. The testimony on Wednesday went on for hours, and there were so many different clips I could play and discuss with you. But let's just zero in on a few. Some of the most jaw-dropping, shall we? First... Senator Pat Leahy of Vermont confronted Barr about the bold-faced lie I just talked to you about. The bold-faced lie about Mueller being totally cool with his interpretation of the report. And even conservative judge, often seen on Fox News, good friend of Donald Trump, Andrew Napolitano, even he thought that William Barr's answer was laughable. Take a listen and buckle up. My question was, why did you say uh, you were not aware of concerns when weeks before your testimony, Mr. Mueller had expressed concerns to you. I mean, that's a fairly simple Well, I answered thing. a question, and the question was, 
relating to unidentified members who were expressing frustration over the accuracy relating to findings. I don't know what that refers to at all. I talked directly to Bob Mueller, not members of his team. Judge Napolitano. Well, look, Bob Mueller is a member of his own team, and, and, and I think the attorney general was splitting hairs there. He's got a, a problem in my, ish, in my view. I don't think he told a lie, but I think he probably misled the House of Representatives when he failed in response to Congressman Chris' question about whether there were objections to the tone and tenor and content of your four-page summary by failing to tell them about the complaint that Bob Mueller had raised about the tone and tenor and content. And he lied. He, he, just, he, he just lied. There's no way around it. He lied. Senator Kamala Harris, she also did an excellent job questioning Barr and truly exposed him to be a completely partisan hack who has no interest in what's best for the country. He's just apparently interested in protecting Donald Trump. To me, the most stunning moment came right at the very beginning of her questioning. Take a listen. Uh, Attorney General Barr, has the president or anyone at the White House ever asked or suggested that you open an investigation of anyone? Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, yes or no? Could you, could you repeat that question? I will repeat it. Yeah. Has the president or anyone at the White House ever asked or suggested that you open an investigation of anyone? Yes or no, please, sir. Um, the president or anybody else. Seems you'd remember something like that and be able to tell us. Yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to grapple with the word suggest. I mean, there have been discussions of, of matters out there that uh, they have not asked me to open an investigation. But Perhaps they've suggested? I don't know. I wouldn't say suggest. Hinted? I, I don't know. Inferred? You don't know. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. Excuse me, excuse me, Attorney General, you're, you're trailing off. That is, that, is, that is important. That's an important message right there. See, I really wish that Senator Harris had pressed him a little more. I, do, I know, she's, you know she's on a time limit, but that was unbelievable. I mean, first of all, had somebody not asked, suggested, hinted to him to open investigations into who knows who, how hard would it be for him to just say no? It wouldn't be hard at all. Listen, let's listen here again and listen to how he spends time. Uh, uh, well, I think maybe it he did and but and then could you repeat the question? He's just that's just stalling, trying to think, oh, God, what do I do? What do I say? How do I handle this? What should I do? What should I not say? But he's just listen. Investigation of anyone. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I mean, uh, yes or no, yes or no, could you, could you repeat? Yes or no. Could you repeat the question? It was a pretty clear and obvious question. Uh, that's called stalling. That's called stalling. So we know he's done it. That's telling. That's very telling. <sighs> I know I say this a lot, but I mean it every time. I feel like we're living in something worse than... The God damn. And I don't like it. It's exhausting and I'm sick of it. 
Okay, so, so, okay. God damn it. I always fucking punch this mic. I used to think it was funny. I don't anymore. Am I, am I, do I sound full of rage? I kind of feel like I sound full of rage. Maybe I feel like I sound that way because I feel rage. Okay, so, so far we know that Barr sucks at his job. I mean, think about it. He's either covering up for Donald Trump or he's so fucking stupid that he can't even recognize the federal crime of obstructing justice when it is literally handed to him on a silver platter. All the evidence, all the necessary information handed over to him in the report. We also know he lied under oath to Congress. Crime. And there's more. On Thursday, as I mentioned, he simply decided to skip out and not show up to a House Judiciary Committee hearing. Then on Friday, never ends, on Friday, he ignored the committee's deadline to provide the committee with a full, unredacted version of Mueller's report and its underlying evidence. Democrats, we, what are they going to do about this? God damn it, we have to do something about this. Let me tell you something. I work with kids quite a bit. Probably sounds like I shouldn't tonight because I sound so full of rage. I, I did just see that Endgame movie, The Hulk, you know, relevant. Um, I work with kids a lot. And let me tell you something. If you have rules, I have three rules, and you can call me strict, you can call me abusive, but my three rules are don't complain, don't whine, do what you're asked, and be nice. The don't complain rule comes because anytime we have to do anything, <laughs> I would hear, oh, but my legs are tired, oh, but I know why he doesn't have to do it. Why do I have for God's sake, shut up! And to keep me from, you know, just slapping him across the head, I had to say, look, we're going to have a new rule. Don't complain. But here's the point I'm trying to make. They, I have a whole system. They get three strikes a day. If they break one of the rules, which are so fucking... How easy are those rules, by the way? You can call me crazy and strict. I am strict about enforcing my three easy rules. Be nice. Don't complain. Do what you're asked. If they break those rules... If I say, listen, if you get three strikes today, you do not get to uh, have this snack or you have to take a time out or something like that. If I say that and then don't enforce it, what do you think that that does? What do you think the kids think? Ah, he said, he said I was going to get it in a timeout and I didn't. I can do whatever the hell I want and they would. That's what's happening to Donald Trump. He can't get away with this stuff. This stuff is insane. This stuff is insane. Moving right along. So I've talked about Elizabeth Drew before. She's a journalist. She's written books on the impeachment of Richard Nixon. She covered it thoroughly. She's actually covered two of the three presidential impeachments we've ever had. And she finally spoke out recently. She says it's dangerous to allow Trump to get away with this stuff. It is dangerous to not impeach him. And I just want to point something out. So as I mentioned, I've played clips of her before. She sounds very much like a stereotypical old woman. If I were to imitate an old woman, I would sound like Elizabeth Drew. Seriously. But I play clips of her interview from, I think, like March of 2017. She did an interview with Ezra Klein, and he asked her all about comparisons to Nixon and whatnot. That was so early in Trump's presidency. And at that point, you know, she had her opinions, but she was against impeachment. She didn't even want to use that word at the time that was recorded because 
she knows that that's a very serious process and it shouldn't be thrown around lightly. And at that point, she didn't think that he had done anything impeachable and she was probably right. Well, now she's singing a very different tune. She was recently on The Last Word with Lawrence O'Donnell and she she pointed out that not impeaching him is unacceptable. Well, an impeachment uh, exercise is not just a thing unto itself. It sets a precedent. And I think it would be a terrible, dangerous precedent for the Congress to, in effect, say, oh, it's okay that he did these things. There's no reason to uh, punish him for it. Of course, the idea of impeachment the founders insisted on was to hold a president accountable between elections. There's still a long time before an election. And the Republicans know he's dangerous, and yet they would be protecting him. The other one is the president would feel that his actions have been condoned, and he would act on it. And the third is, it would certainly, if anything, if possible, enhance his authoritarian instincts. Yeah, you think? No kidding. And she's talk- she, the reason she's talking about this stuff is because we're seeing all of these cautious, scared Democrats. They don't even want to talk about impeachment. They're worried that it will have political ramifications. They know that it, the Senate won't actually convict him or kick him out of office. So what's the point? That is not their job to consider. Their job is constitutional. It's to do what they are constitutionally bound to do, and that is hold the president accountable. And impeachment is the remedy. That's all we have. And they're coming up with all this crap about, well, what if we did this instead? Or what if we tried to censure him? Lawrence asked her about that. Could the House of Representatives bring some kind of censure resolution against the president uh, that they, where they outline all of the elements that would in effect be articles of impeachment and then just put that to a censure vote uh, in the House of Representatives where the Democrats would clearly win, it would pass, it would live in history uh, as the stated rebuke by the House of Representatives of this president? Well, I think two things about that, Lawrence. It's a bit of a wimp out. The Constitution... The Constitution says impeach. If a president has abused the oath of office, has abused the office itself, has committed not crimes, but impeachable offenses are constitution offenses against the Constitution and the office of the presidency. So a censure doesn't doesn't face up to that. The other one is you remember the mess they got into when they were trying to draw up a, a resolution about Miss Omar? And, you know, there were 65 different ideas about what to say. I think it would be equally messy and not really living up to their constitutional responsibilities. That's exactly right. They don't need to consider political stuff. Donald Trump is out of control. And that that was the main that was the most important thing that she said is that they need to do their jobs if the Republicans decide to just kind of look the other way. That's on them and history will remember them for it. It's quite clear that uh, Trump does not want to be impeached. And at least you'd have the record that Congress didn't sit around and do nothing. Then it's up to the Republicans to explain why they're protecting this man in office when he clearly has abused power, which is what, what impeachment is about. It's not about the crimes on the books. The founders made that very clear. That's right. That's right. I'm tired of hearing about political considerations and all that stuff. He is out of control. He's committed so many. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about, you know, with his with the emoluments clause and the lying constantly campaign finance violations, obstruction of justice. 
to just let him get away with this, you know, that's insane. But let it be the insanity of the Republicans, not you Democrats. No one's going to care what your political situation was in a hundred years. They're going to care if you were a pussy and sat on your hands and did nothing. And I have to say, going back to that bar hearing, there was really only one senator who truly let loose and said what I think so many of us have been thinking here lately. That was Senator Maisie Hirono of Hawaii. She didn't mince words with William Barr. She said exactly how she feels and what I can I think is the obvious truth. And I salute her for it. And I think we need more of it. Take a listen. Mr. Barr, now the American people know that you are no different from Rudy Giuliani or Kellyanne Conway or any of the other people who sacrificed their once decent reputation for the grifter and liar who sits in the Oval Office. You once turned down a job offer from Donald Trump to represent him as his private attorney. At your confirmation hearing, you told Senator Feinstein that, quote, the job of attorney general is not the same as representing, end quote, the president. So you know the difference, but you've chosen to be the president's lawyer and side with him over the interests of the American people. To start with, you should never have been involved in supervising the Robert Mueller investigation. You wrote a 19-page unsolicited memo, which you admit was not based on any facts, attacking the premise of half of the investigation. And you also should have insisted that Deputy Attorney General Rob Rosenstein recuse himself. He wasn't just a witness to some of the president's obstructive behavior. We now know he was in frequent personal contact with the president, a subject of the investigation. You should have left it to career officials. Then, once the report was delivered by the special counsel, you delayed its release for more than two weeks. You let the president's personal lawyers look at it before you even deigned to let Congress or the public see it. During the time you substituted your own political judgment for the special counsel's, counsel's legal conclusions in a four-page letter to Congress. And now we know, thanks to a free press, that Mr. Mueller wrote your letter objecting to your so-called summary. When you called Mueller to discuss his letter, the reports are that he thought your summary was giving the press, Congress, and the public a misleading impression of his work. He asked you to release the report summaries to correct the misimpression you created, but you refused. When you finally did decide to release the report over a congressional recess and on the eve of two major religious holidays, you called a press conference to once again try to clear Donald Trump before anyone had a chance to read the special counsel's report and come to their own conclusions. But when we read the report, we knew Robert Mueller's concerns were valid and that your version of events was false. You used every advantage of your office to create the impression that the president was cleared of misconduct. You selectively quoted fragments from the special counsel's report. You put the power and authority of the office of the attorney general and the Department of Justice behind a public relations effort to help Donald Trump protect himself. Finally, you lied to Congress. You told Representative Charlie Chris that you didn't know what objections Mueller's team might have to your March 24th so-called summary. You told Senator Chris Van Hollen that you didn't know if Bob Mueller supported your conclusions, but you knew you lied, and now we know. A lot of respected nonpartisan legal experts and elected officials were surprised by your efforts to protect the president. 
but I wasn't surprised. You did exactly what I thought you'd do. It's why I voted against your confirmation. I expected you would try to protect the president, and indeed you did. From the beginning, you were addressing an audience of one, that person being Donald Trump. That's why, before the bombshell news of yesterday evening, 11 of my Senate colleagues and I called on the Department of Justice Inspector General and Office of Professional Responsibility to investigate the way you have handled the Mueller report. I wanted them to determine whether your actions complied with the department's policies and practices and whether you have demonstrated sufficient impartiality to continue to oversee the 14 other criminal matters that the special counsel referred to in other parts to other parts of the Department of Justice. But now, we know more about your deep involvement in trying to cover up for Donald Trump. Being Attorney General of the United States is a sacred trust. You have betrayed that trust. America deserves better. You should resign. Hell yeah! All right, you're listening to The Nexus Thing on Radio Free Brooklyn, and we have one more piece of news to discuss before we welcome in our guest, Jake Williams of Bright Sun Films. So... Moving right along. Hillary Clinton appeared on Rachel Maddow's show last week to talk about a lot of things. It was nice to see her. She has some insight on this. And I want to play a clip. It's it's actually, it is a clip of the interview with Hillary Clinton. But it's also, it's a clip I'm taking from um, the David Pakman show. Now, David Pakman does an excellent show. He is as smart as anyone I've ever seen, ever met. I did get to meet David. I look up to David. I think he does a phenomenal job with his interviews, with his debates, if you want to call it that. Great guy, smart guy, had the pleasure of meeting him, even went to his studio, saw how his operation works, learned a lot from him. Having said that, he did something here that I'm going to play for you, which I wish he wouldn't do, which I hope he doesn't believe, and which really pisses me off. So here we go. Here's David presenting Hillary Clinton, at least a clip of her interview, from the Rachel Maddow Show. And Hillary Clinton actually did something clever last night on the Rachel Maddow Show. And this may come as a shock to many people in our audience, but I'm not a Hillary fan and I don't watch Rachel Maddow's show. I don't really watch MSNBC. People know Hillary's well to my right. I don't watch these shows or whatever. But this is actually a pretty interesting clip. Hillary Clinton said last night on the Rachel Maddow Show, hold on a second, let's step back for a moment in terms of Trump and Russia and Mueller from was collusion or uh, obstruction established? Which evidence threshold do these different legal terms allude to exactly how partisan was William Barr's handling of this entire thing? Hillary Clinton steps back from the trees and says, let's look at the forest for a second. And she lays out a really great hypothetical. Imagine if a Democrat went on live television. Uh, and said, China, if you're listening, go and get Trump's taxes. And then hours later, the IRS got hacked and Trump's taxes were released. And we found out that it was actually China who hacked and provided those taxes to some third party like a WikiLeaks sort of organization. Hillary Clinton is stepping back from the trees and remembering that we're in the forest. Take a look at what she said last night. Since Russia is clearly backing Republicans, why don't we ask China to back us? I hereby tonight ask China. That's to... right. And not only that, China, if you're listening, why don't you get Trump's tax returns? I'm sure our media would richly reward you. Now, 
according to the Mueller report, that is not conspiracy because it's done right out in the open. So if after this hypothetical Democratic candidate says this on your show, within hours, all of a sudden the IRS offices are bombarded with incredibly sophisticated cyber tools looking for Trump's tax returns and then extracts them and then passes them to whatever the new WikiLeaks happens to be and they start being unraveled and disclosed. Nothing wrong with that. So the point of playing this is not to uh, uh, praise Hillary. I mean, I thought uh, that she was a bad candidate and she's well to my right. This is just a good reminder that sometimes we've got to zoom out to understand the picture of what's going on and the context uh, uh, and get away from the minutia that often becomes the focus in many analyses of the Mueller report. Now, all right. Good point by Hillary. I mean, obviously, no one else would get away with that. And if we were to call on China to help us and then China helped us and we said, oh, what a coincidence. I don't know. It was just a joke. We would never get away with it. But what I want to talk about is David's choice to before and after the clip, you know, put out a disclaimer that, look, I don't like Hillary. She's a, you know, well to my, she's a bad candidate. I've said it before. I was a Bernie guy. I don't like Hillary. Shut up! Do we, do we really need to do that? Do we really need to do that? Look, I don't even know. I've never seen David do that before. And I don't know if he, I know that Hillary, he's a very progressive guy, but to say that Hillary's well to his right, that she's somehow not progressive is bullshit, just inaccurate. And, and like I said, David is so smart. He has to know that. And frankly, I don't recall him before the election saying, you know, I don't like Hillary, but, you know, he wasn't he wasn't one of those people at all. He campaigned for her. I mean, he was he was on Team Hillary more so than the Bernie bros. Why is he giving in to this Bernie bro fanaticism, zealotry? I'm sure he must be that he's getting attacked. I mean, for saying that, for saying that she made a good point on Rachel Maddow. And to say she was a bad candidate, you know, this revisionist history, people might have said she was unlikable and maybe she wasn't the most charismatic or whatever. But when people look back on that election and say things like this and say, oh, my God, I mean, please, she lost to Donald Trump. I mean, good Lord, she was horrible. It's so easy to say that now. But I've said this before and I'm going to point it out again. No one. And I mean, no one thought Hillary was going to lose. Every single poll had her way ahead. Every single predictive measure, every website, 538, uh, the upshot on New York Times, electoralvote.com, they all had her winning the election on the day of the election by a huge margin. I've gone through them before. I don't have them pulled up now, but I believe 538 had her at like 74%. The upshot had her in the 80s. She won all three debates. That was on record. She destroyed him. He looked stupid because he is stupid. She knows about policy. He doesn't. He tried to intimidate her. He didn't. She won all three debates. The polling was in her favor. Why would she have thought to do anything different? Listen, folks, if I'm running a race and I'm well ahead of you the entire time, 
And I mean well ahead of you. Like I, I look back and you're at least a full 100 yards behind me. Then I look back again and you're 90 yards behind me. Then I look back later and you're almost 150 yards behind me. If I'm that far ahead of you, do you really think that a couple feet from the finish line, I'm going to think to myself, I need to do something. Shit, I better change my strategy here. Of course not. And neither would you and no one with a reasonable brain would. So for us to look back and act like, well, he was a horrible kid. Sure, you can talk about Comey and you can talk about Russia, but the fact is she lost and she takes no response. She does take responsibility. That's not in question. It's in her book. She said it on TV. I, I don't know what these Bernie people or Republican people want her to do. Do they want her to just go away? Some have said that. Do they want her to go on TV and say, oh, my God, yeah, isn't it crazy? I was the worst. I completely failed. She has said that she failed. She has said that she has to live with that for the rest of her life. And it's one of her biggest regrets. And, you know, she's will never recover. She has said that. But for us to sit here and act like James Comey coming out and making those announcements about the investigation and then about the closure of the investigation, then the reopening of the investigation, and then the Russians interfering and meddling, even if it was just Facebook ads, that had never happened before. So for us to sit here and look back and say that she was a bad candidate, that she was totally, obviously, ran, ran the worst campaign ever because they lost. It's just revisionist history, and it's just completely, you know, Monday morning quarterback, and it's insane because no one thought she was going to lose. No one thought she did anything, you know, really that stood out in a bad way during the campaign. Yeah, we talked about her emails constantly because they, they wouldn't shut up about it. Benghazi came up because the Republicans wanted to investigate it 16,000 times. And she sat there for 13 hours and testified. She showed up, unlike William Barr. And she did a great job. Won the debates. Head in the polls. What else was she supposed to do? I would like to meet one person who would change their strategy with 25 feet left to go in a marathon race that they've been leading the whole time and there's no one really that close to them. It's just revisionist history. It's insanity. And on that note, you're listening to The Next Best Thing on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, keeping you to company every Monday night from 10 until midnight. We are going to take a short break. And when we return, we will talk to our guest, Jake Williams of Bright Sun Films. Look forward to talking to him. And we are going to be right back. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. So if you'd like to support our mission so we can continue to bring you quality community radio, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. You can donate as little as a dollar and every cent helps helps us to continue to stay on the air. So please, please help support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. And remember, RFB is a 501c3 nonprofit, so your contribution is tax deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Again, that's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. This is the next best thing. All right. Did you know that Radio Free Brooklyn has a free iPhone and Android app? 
No. That's right. You no longer need to be chained to your computer to listen. Just download the Radio Free Brooklyn app from the App Store or Google Play so you can listen to independent community radio wherever you go. No. You can find the iPhone app by going to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash iPhone. And the Android app is available at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Android. So download the app today and listen to RFB wherever you are. All right. So Jake Williams is from Toronto. Speaking of cool things to see, he is from Toronto and started his YouTube channel in 2012. Since then... Since then, it's grown to have over 621,000 subscribers and over 80 million views. He has popular series like Abandoned, Cancelled, and Bankrupt. They explore places and business models that uh, weren't able to stay profitable or relevant. The, The videos are always very well researched, often fascinating, and often entertaining. Very cool to see. Check it out. That's Bright Sun Films. So thanks so much, Jake, for staying up and uh, calling in. No worries. Thank you for, so much for having me on. Of course. So, hey, Jake, I saw that you were recently nominated for a Shorty Award for Best YouTube Ensemble. Uh, for people who don't know, the Shorties are similar to the Webbies and Streaming Awards, kind of, in that they honor the best in social media. So I the ceremony was held just last night in NYC. Did you go? Uh, we never actually got the chance to go out there. I've, I've been wanting to go to uh, New York City for a long time, and this was finally my opportunity, but uh, unfortunately our schedules just couldn't um, coalesce together, and uh, we never got the chance to go. Where was the ceremony? Do you, do you know? It was it was right downtown. I, I believe it was uh, just a block or two from Times Square, so it was, it was oh, right in the heart. Wow, that's cool. So most of the videos of yours that I've seen have seemed to be produced and narrated by you. Was the nomination yeah. for a specific video where you collaborated with another channel or something? Well, usually with our exploration type videos, we uh, we have a bunch of people with us. So it's it's my friend Brendan and, and Matt and Emmy. So we all we all explore these buildings together as uh, an ensemble. So. Maybe it wasn't the best category since the bulk of my videos aren't really an ensemble, but those videos can definitely be classified. So I guess that's where we were uh, where we were put in the shorties. Gotcha. Um, all right. So the channel was originally called Bright Sun Gaming. Then in yeah, that's right. then in 2014, you made a shift and rebranded. Can you tell us a little bit about what sparked the change? How, how old were you when you started in 2012? Uh, well, I was just getting in. To high school when I started the channel, so I—I uh, I don't know—I must have been around fourteen or fifteen, I oh, guess, wow. around that age. Um, so I was really young, and I was, you know, as a young person would in 2012 on YouTube, we made a gaming channel. Um, but obviously, that—that that kind of just turned into something that wasn't my thing anymore, um, and I became sort of obsessed with making informative documentaries, and that's where um, everything sort of changed for me. So. Once the series abandoned started gaining traction, I, I figured that it was time to ditch the, the gaming aspect and, and start to go towards the more professional, you know, documentary style stuff. So that, that's where the name change came and uh, that's where we are today. Gotcha. Uh, one of my favorite videos of yours that I've seen, um, and I actually think it was the first one, the first time I came across your channel, it was the one focused on the long abandoned McBarge. A McDonald's, yeah. yeah, a McDonald's restaurant that's also a ship, and it was mo- it was moored in Vancouver Falls Creek, originally built for the Expo '86. Now, I'd I'd never heard of McBarge before before your video. Uh, how did right. so? How did you discover it? And like, what sparked that video? 
Well, that was the topic that uh, had been requested to me for a few years, actually. And I, I've known about it for a while. And I I believe right when I started making the video, it had finally been salvaged. And I'm not sure of what the location, I'm not sure what's happening to it right now. I actually got a chance to talk to the owner um, and their plans for it, but I don't know if they ever reached their fundraising goals or, or whatever. But um, I found I found out about it uh, a few years prior, and um, it uh, it turned out to be more of a cultural thing in Vancouver than I actually realized when making the video. So I, I think a lot of people got some nostalgia, especially people who lived in uh, Vancouver when they saw the video. So well, that was a really cool thing. It was fascinating that it had been such a hit, and then just like you know, kind of was left to rot. Yeah, no, exactly. Have you ever seen the McBarge in person? I know Vancouver is not necessarily close to Toronto, but... Yeah, that's the problem. I actually uh, have been thinking about going over to Vancouver. So, no, I haven't seen the, the barge in person, <laughs> but um, I've, I've definitely been invited out to see it by by the owners and the current uh, people who are trying to rework it. Oh, cool. Um, so, hopefully, maybe... Uh, Maybe just for symbolic reasons for me, I'd just like to see it myself. Well, I bet you're, like I said, I'd never heard of it. I bet, I bet your video might have sparked, like, some newfound interest in the McBarge. Right, right. Well, that's <laughs> the cool thing about about my show and what other people uh, do about it, too. It's, it's you know, teaching people or it's informing people things that they otherwise would have never known about. I mean, who's, who's talking about McBarge in 2018 <laughs> and 19? Right. Well, now us. Um, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, in some of your abandoned episodes, you actually do go to these various sites and explore like abandoned Walmarts and haunted houses right. or and even the former Nickelodeon studios. How yeah. do you go about gaining access to these places? Well, um, just break in places. It's never breaking it. Never breaking it. <laughs> okay. We, um, I'm never going to force my way into a building. If a door is open, you know, we'll, we'll take a look inside. Mm-hmm. A lot of these places, especially like that Walmart in uh, Ohio, I mean, usually these places are just left wide open and the, and the people have complete, I mean, they really have abandoned the, the buildings. So, I mean, um, especially in a lot of these places, you'll see lots of vandalism and lots of graffiti and, um, and all that. But, uh, I mean, the purpose of, of those types of videos for me is to, you know, preserve these places like, I did a, an abandoned beach resort in um, Sarasota, Florida. And uh, I, otherwise, if I weren't able to uh, completely document that whole building, it would have been lost to time. And it was just demolished just a few months ago. So that's that's one of the purposes of why I make those videos. That Walmart was uniquely, that was crazy because you were, because yeah. it was like everything had been gutted, but the lights were still on, which was weird. Well, they weren't lights. Those were skylights. And oh. that, that was a lot of a misconception, I think, a lot through the video. Those are actually skylights, but it appears like they're fluorescent lights. So explain this to people that that about Walmart was not abandoned because they just went out of business. There was yeah. a real problem. Yeah, I'd say a real problem. <laughs> um, that's a very unique situation. That's, uh, that whole shopping center, which must have cost a, a couple, I mean, tens of millions of dollars to build that thing. Uh, you have five or six big box stores placed on top of a landfill. It's called the City View Center. I believe it's in Garfield Heights, Ohio. And the reason why all these um, big box stores were abandoned, uh, including Walmart, was because the land was starting to slope down the mountain. Since it's on, you know, a, a landfill, 
that's not solid ground. So the cement, the pavement was actually starting to crack and the buildings themselves were starting to sink down. <laughs> and then there was other, you know, controversies of methane gas coming up. It was just a mess. And so you could see. I, I don't know who designed that, who the building planner was and what bank actually funded that. But uh, it was not a smart situation. And you could see from like levels, you could see marks on the building that actually kind of measured how much it had actually moved. And it was very significant. Yeah. It is absolutely insane to see pavement, tar pavement, sink five or six feet in some in some places below the foundation. I mean, it is truly insane. I wonder, I mean, are they going to just knock that down? Otherwise, what's going to happen to it? Is it going to eventually just fall off the face of the earth? Or the last thing I heard from that, that place was that the city was trying to make, uh, trying to turn it into a jail and corresponding uh, legal facilities. But I'm well, not sure how, how much success they're going to get with that. Well, what the hell? How, I mean, won't that jail just sink like the Walmart did? That, that's what I'm saying. That okay. doesn't make much sense. Okay. All right. Well, um, so you've never been like uh, chased off by a security guard or scared off by some hobo living in some abandoned place? No, we've actually been pretty lucky. I think the only instances where we've been approached by, you know, security or anything, they know we're just taking pictures where we explain ourselves. We're carrying around very expensive, heavy gear. So I think they know we're not there to, you know, spray paint stuff. So uh, they usually let us off pretty easy. Um, thankfully, though, we, yeah, we've never been uh, in a situation that precarious. Well, has it been, have you gone to any, like, scary places or had any scary, like, experiences, whether it's the building themselves or with, the environment or anything like that? Or I guess since you're all together, maybe that's less intimidating. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, I, just in the last video, uh, we went to this abandoned home, which I, I think is actually probably the scariest, uh, building I've ever been into. I mean, we come, we go into this building that's been abandoned since 2001. It's this home in the middle of nowhere. And inside this building, there's, uh, pictures of dead animals. There's, just these weird artifacts scattered throughout of this man who had lived there named Gordon. He had tapes, hundreds of tapes scattered across the floor, and we actually play them live in the video. And listening to the voice of someone who we don't know if he's alive or dead, we don't know what happened to him, if he, you know, was institutionalized or or whatever. I mean, the things that we found in there definitely point to some, you know, mental issues with the person who was living there. So it's, that, that definitely had a, a scary vibe to it. And I, thankfully, we didn't do that at night. Would you go into the charity hospital? Charity hospital is... I mean, the the stuff I've heard about that place, the videos I've seen of, you know, the ghosts and the windows and everything, that's a large, empty building. It's a large concrete building. There's something about a building that looks like that. I mean, it's just a gray, sad building at this point. So, you know, thinking about being inside there, especially at night, oh my God. So that was a hospital in uh, New Orleans, which uh, it didn't really get destroyed in Katrina, but it was damaged enough. And then the ensuing legal battle that it's now abandoned. I mean, it's right because they replaced it eventually. But that building, enormous, 200 years old, still stands empty. Yeah, it is an enormous. It's an enormous but beautiful Art Deco style hospital. And it's it's right in the middle of downtown new orleans but it's yeah like you said it's completely vacant and you know i'm sure the the halls of the that building can tell so many terrifying stories so how do you go about deciding on what to do episodes on do people send in suggestions 
Yeah, I mean, I always go by suggestions, but it always usually comes down to if I'm interested in the topic itself, because it, stuff like this, I'm a one-man show, so mm-hmm. it takes a lot of effort and time um, to go through these topics and, you know, research them correctly and write the scripts, edit the video. You're you're spending, you know, a couple tens of hours mm-hmm. on one topic, so I make sure it's definitely something that I am going to be interested in, so I'm not, you know, falling asleep during the production. Right. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the like YouTube culture and the process of becoming an official content creator. So, oh. a friend of mine who makes workout and like bodybuilding videos, I remember him saying at one point that he would quit his job as a waiter when he hit fifty thousand subscribers. Now, I mentioned at the top you have over six hundred thousand subscribers. Are you able to yeah. make a nice living and buy decent equipment and stuff just from your YouTube revenue? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I think it all now. YouTube is kind of weird, where you need to make family-friendly content in order to sustain a living. I know a lot of people who have been, you know, on the more um, controversial side of videos, and and now it's to Wait, a point where they can't even sustain them. Like how? I mean, into like Alex Jones controversial? No, not that. Well, I mean, I'm sure he would have problems too. But not, controversial. I mean, even to the slightest things, swearing in your videos really? or, or showing provocative uh, pictures. I, I'm surprised my latest video, the uh, the one where it shows dead animals and the, the photographs wasn't demonetized. Re- I mean, that, that's a huge problem now. Wait, okay. So you're not talking about like um, <laughs> violence. You're talking about cuss words. They can. Yeah. Wow. It, it is ridiculous how, uh, you know, how specific YouTube has gotten on demonetizing videos. It is, very rigorous at this point, and it is very annoying to deal with. Well, I know that someone who, a friend of mine, I think I actually mentioned him earlier, uh, he does a show on YouTube. He They had this problem last year where they were trying to guide people away from hateful rhetoric and stuff like that. But what it was doing was if someone was making a video where they talk about what happened at Charlottesville and they mention white supremacists, that gets lumped in with white supremacy videos. Yeah. Exactly. That, that was a big thing with news channels at the time. You're right. Yeah, it's um, even talking about the subject, no matter what light you're putting on it, it is just grouping into the same, you know, bin. It's it's all the same to YouTube, essentially, um, in theory. So it all is struck down with uh, demonetization. And that's where the problems come. And it, it, that's the thing, too, with YouTube. It's, it's all automated now. It's uh, that's horrible. That, I mean, exactly. I un- it, it needs to be humans that goes through this and actually scans for these errors. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just can't be a machine. You know, uh, it's never going to be smart enough to understand if you're talking about white supremacists and reporting on it, or if you're advocating for it. You know, it, it, there's a huge difference. So, did your revenue take a hit with that? I have always been very good at you know keeping uh, my videos. Neutral. Relatively clean, you know, neutral. It's, it's not going to, you know, offend anyone or anything. So I think on that aspect, I've been very uh, privileged with YouTube to not have those problems. But I know tons of people who have. Well, that, okay, so I noticed that way back early on when you started the channel, you started to do a series about um, either things I hate or why I hate something. <laughs> Did that go away because of what we're talking about? Um, no, that was actually, uh, that was something that just didn't really fit my channel, though I, I really do want to bring that back. I've actually gotten a lot of requests to do that. 
um, because I am a, a very opinionated person. What are you hating um, right now? <laughs> What's yeah. bugging you? You want a hundred top hundred hundred? Well, no. no, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could go on about YouTube all day. There's so many things about YouTube that bothers me. Uh, I could go on, you know, for hours about the YouTubers to, who are in, you know, my sort of space. Well, okay, well, okay. Before well, we, will, I do want to talk about them, but before I know, just from doing this show and having written for a sports blog that people, and this is not, it doesn't really take, you don't even have to be in the industry to know that people are vicious and cruel online, especially in the comment sections. YouTube is the worst. I mean, like YouTube comments are the most vile. Have you run into any of this and how do you handle that? Oh yeah. I mean, I think everyone does. Um, I I think my audience, because of my content, it's, it's not, you know, crap. It's, it's it's definitely higher educated stuff. So um, I think my audience is naturally going to be a little uh, cleaner in the comments, let's just say. Um, so I've been very privileged with that. But, uh, you know, you always get some some person who, no matter what, it's free content, but they're still going to complain about one thing or, or one little error or whatever. Um, and it, it's always just the, the best thing to do is just ignore it. Uh, it's always horrible to uh, to see someone engaging in you know, the people who, who cares if someone says something bad, just whatever, just, you know, brush them off and go on. But it's like, a, yeah. I mean, when you, if you were starting this channel when you're 14, 15 and some, cause sometimes it's not even about what they're watching. It's not about the content. They'll comment on your voice or your some, yeah. you know, and just because, I mean, they might not, not even really think so or not care, but they just want to troll. Did that affect yeah, you ever? Um, I think in the more recent years, actually, it's taken a harder toll on me. It's weird because, you know, as a, a younger person, I didn't really care. But as I grew and as I grew older and I started to hope that people would uh, enjoy my content more, the, the comments that stuck out to me are the most negative. And, it, and that had really, you know, been like, oh, really? You, you really think that? Really, geez? <laughs> but it's, at the same time, I always got to remember, hey, you know, it's just someone screwing with me. So it's a delicate line to, to balance. But uh, I, I guess, you know. You just got to get over it. You just got to forget it. And you do. I will say, you know, from the videos I've watched that from the early on to the newer ones, you've clearly like you, do you watch these? I mean, like, cause you've clearly improved a lot of stuff, not even, not even just like the material, not even just the equipment, I'm sure, but like, you know, they've become tighter. Everything. Narration, definitely. And stuff like that. So, you know, they, they do get a lot better, but I'm sure the comments stay the same because people will troll no matter what. I, I always get the the comments every you know every two days or whatever on the older videos saying how I can't even listen to this narration and I don't necessarily disagree with them the narrations on the old videos are abysmal but uh, <laughs> well that, that's just one of those things I mean I agree with them you live and learn um, so okay so like this is a full time job then so how how does it work yeah. like is a does a video like are you paid more if you have more subscribers or is it paid by video views or what? It's always going to be by views. Subscribers doesn't really matter anymore. I don't think it ever did, honestly, uh-huh. in the old, maybe in the old days before I had even gotten on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But video views, it is uh, all that matters, essentially. It, it, it's paid by Google AdSense. And, you know, if you have millions of views, then you're definitely going to get a substantial much more than you would, you know, just a couple thousand views. So 
as long as you have a, a healthy income of views every month, then you're, it's definitely, you can definitely make a living off of it. And it's, so it's not um, ad revenue or just ad revenue. It's uh, for a lot of people. I think they branched out for me. It's mainly still just advertisement revenue off of YouTube. Gotcha. I've been privileged to with uh, external sponsorships as well. And oh, that's, that's great. A huge help. Yeah. Do you have a, I mean, we're talking a lot about abandoned, but you have canceled and bankrupt. Um, right. Do you, is abandoned kind of the one you enjoy the most? Uh, I th- well, abandoned is definitely the most popular and it's, I guess all throughout all the topics or uh, sorry, all the shows, they all kind of correspond to their own topics. So, you know, bankrupt would apply to much more companies and that's mm-hmm. something that I've been very interested in. That's a video I just finished today, actually. Oh, yeah? um, but abandoned, you know, you stick more to the, the buildings and places themselves and cancel. They could get applied to television shows, movies, uh, products, and or projects, you know, anything of, of that sort. So it's always good for me to mix it up every once in a while and, you know, work on something that's completely different than the other. So, so, yeah, it's all different. You mentioned uh, these are all, like, mini documentaries. Is that what you'd like to pursue, being a documentarian? Yeah, so, uh, actually, and I haven't really announced this anywhere, but... Um, We're breaking I, news right here. Breaking news right here, Bryson. <laughs> live. Um, uh, probably going to be starting production on a actual feature-length documentary by the end of this year, which has kind of been something that I've been working towards, you know, for the past six, seven years on YouTube, Um so that's extremely exciting for me. And, uh, you know, as as we get closer, I'll talk about it a bit more with everyone. But um, it is uh, a huge step in the right direction for, for me as a, a creator and a filmmaker. And it's um, it's definitely something that's going to be huge. Is this is this just through Bright Star or Bright Sun or are you have you partnering with anybody? No, it's going to be uh, completely self-funded by myself. That's where all my, my money has been going, just in one separate account just for that film. Nice. Um, it's uh, Yeah, it's going to be by me, but uh, we have a ton of very talented people helping me out. And uh, yeah, it's uh, hopefully going to be very great. So you must be making, you must be doing very well then. Are, are these are these volunteers, or I'm sure you're paying these people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, for the past couple of months, at least, uh, stuff like external stuff like Patreon and uh, my external sponsorship, right. that all that money and a bit of my uh, my current revenue that uh, I make every month will go directly towards that project itself. So, putting <laughs> as much, throwing as much money as I can right. to uh, a project like that. Well, that's great. I mean, making things happen—that's what you got to do nowadays. Did you always want to be exactly. a filmmaker? No, I, uh, strange enough, I had always wanted to be in the business world. I had always been interested. I actually went to school for marketing. Uh-huh. Um, uh, business marketing, and that was something that I always figured I was going to be in. Uh, but it sort of, but I always had an eye for filmmaking. I've been making, you know, short movies since the iPad One came out, I think, uh, or whatever iPad had the camera in it. And I would just make movies with my friends. So it, it was always something that uh, I've been sort of interested in. And now, finally, uh, I've gotten to the point where you know it's it's a true passion of mine and. Hopefully, it's uh, it lead me it leads me in you know interesting directions. Have you ever thought about writing a script like a you know a non documentary? I don't know. I've never been really all too interested in fiction, non fiction, or I'm sorry, fiction. Mm. Um, yeah, filmmaking. It that's not always something that I've never really. I don't think I've ever excelled. I guess I've never tried it though. So eh, maybe one day, but uh, I think for now I'm, I'm the best at doing 
or one of them. I'm better at doing nonfiction. Uh, I'm the same so. way with books. I don't, I don't know why, but I've never been inclined to read novels. I read like memoirs or biographies or how to. Yeah. That's, that's always been sort of, sort of me too. I, I think my whole bookshelf is just filled with uh, biographies and, you know, short stories of businesses and, and all such. Do you have any documentary or documentarians that you, their work you really love? Um, not really. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's a bunch of documentaries that I love, but I, I don't really, I'm not a huge, I'm not a person who, uh, really envies the, the documentary filmmakers themselves. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of films that I love and, uh, a lot of, lots of people have been mentors to me, but, um, yeah, not, no one in specific I can think off the top of my head right now. Um, so there are some other YouTube channels like Defunct Land. They did yeah. they did a whole episode on, I think the Nickelodeon Hotel, mm-hmm. and I think that you mentioned them in one of the videos that you did on the studios. Do you ever like? Do you have a relationship with people like that, or do you guys ever collaborate? Not necessarily Defunct Land, but just any other YouTube content people. Yeah, I, I always keep in tabs with Defunct Land and Yes to Roll. Those people who do a lot of Disney stuff, which you know I'm also sort of in tune to that type of content as well. Um, so it's always, you know, it, it's, I definitely have the people who I respect in the community and, uh, I envy a lot in, in what they do and, um, how they do it. And I think, uh, you know, I, I keep a good relationship with them. What's your biggest frustration with YouTube? Oh God. Um, uh, biggest frustration. Let's see. Uh, their lack of communication with the community. I think that it's hard to believe that the same CEO of YouTube, you know, despite all of this controversy, is still remaining in her seat. It's kind of baffling to me that the company has made so many missteps with uh, their creators and advertisers and everything, yet their CEO is still in place. That baffles me. Um, but, I mean, the, the communication with the creators and the, and the sense of, you know, they, they put everything into algorithms to solve problems, and it, it just... You know, it, for lack of a better term, it just screws over so many people in the community and it, it puts people's hard work out of money and it, it destroys jobs and careers. Very predatory on YouTube. And I think the community has just turned into a very toxic place. And especially the stuff that I do. I mean, exploration stuff is like you see some of these YouTubers out there. <laughs> it's like, wow. What? You know? Are they, what, they're angry? No, not even angry. They just make such awful videos. Oh, Oh, the really? Just abysmal. Huh. And they oh, still yeah. make money. Thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean, they have no <laughs> subscribers. I can't even, tens of thousands of dollars, I'm sure. Well, just because they get views? I mean, why do people watch these terrible videos? It's views. That, you know, it's, these are the type of people who, you know, go into an abandoned building. It, basically, it's kids who are watching these channels. Uh. And children on YouTube are very lucrative, a very lucrative market to tap into. I mean, there's creators who, uh, you know, these people go into abandoned buildings and they're like, oh man, there's a ghost in here and they'll pretend to, to see a ghost for, you know, they can see 22 minutes of... Well, yeah, of those are, those people have real, those people have shows on like the Sci-Fi Network, which is yeah. horrible. I mean, like those shows these are... people, you, listen, you just gotta go on, <laughs> you gotta look at one of these YouTubers and you are just gonna be, I promise you, baffled at how they have so many views. Well, because God. it is truly bizarre. Um, so what do you hope, like, let's say, what do you, 
see the future for Bright Sun Films being? Do you want to, like in 10 years, where do you hope to be? Well, the future, I mean, with this project coming up, I hope it's, I, I would think at least it's sort of a, a bit of a turning point in the way I've, I've been doing things with a feature length documentary, you know, something a lot more, uh, just a, a step, a few steps above what I do now, just as a regular show on YouTube. I think that'll uh, hopefully elevate, you know, what, who I am as a creator and, and a filmmaker. And um, I always just want to try and produce the best stuff um, on any platform. And, and YouTube is just a great place to produce it on. It's fun to do a, a week, um, a semi-weekly show on YouTube and uh, hopefully that continues for a little bit and hopefully um, people, you know, respect me a little more in this space and, and who knows what, uh, what the future may hold in terms of filmmaking and documentary stuff. And it's just a, it's an exciting thing to think about. I, I remember you did a, a canceled on the tonight show, right? Between Conan and Jay. Yeah. Yeah. So, very uh, interesting topic. Yeah. Very interesting. How do you feel that's turned out? Are you, do you watch those shows? Did you uh, say you had a preference in the, I think in the video, did you mention you had a favorite? Wasn't it Conan? Yeah, no, I love Conan. Uh, Conan's the, probably the best. Yeah, I don't, who's better than Conan O'Brien on late night talk shows right well, now? I mean, Jimmy Fallon's a joke. Um, Jimmy Fallon, yeah. his is more of like a variety show where he brings people on and then makes them play games like a child. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and that's sort of like James Corden now too. Wait, I can't stand James Corden, that's for sure. How do you feel about Ellen DeGeneres' show? That's a good question. I always used to like Ellen DeGeneres. I remember I used to watch her every morning before school when I was in, like, grade six. Um, I, I, yeah, I really liked her. I haven't watched her show in a long time. It, it must be, like, four or five years since I've watched an, an I, Ellen DeGeneres. I loved show. her stand-ups, but yeah. the way she makes people, like, I always used to say I would never want to go on that show because, like... From the second you walk out during the whole interview and probably as you walk off, you're either supposed to dance or play some dumb yeah, game. Exactly. And it's just like I'd be so painfully uncomfortable and I'd be like, I, I, don't, I, exactly. I don't want to do any of this. <laughs> I think about the exact same thing. I, I can't even I, – I don't know if I could do I, – I don't know if I can go on a show like James Corden and, and play Would You Rather or something that live on television. I've, that sounds stressful and awful to me. When, like, I think like – yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I was just gonna say, I think like shows, shows like Ellen DeGeneres, they're so clean and so um, uh, there's just there's nothing interesting about a show when it's just so clean and so perfect and so uh, politically correct. There, there's just something about that that really doesn't interest me at all. So well, I think that's why. Um, there's your I'm next like, episodes of what I hate or why I hate or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be her. Her stuff is very tame and very, you know, and I, whatever daytime TV, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Morning shows. <laughs> right, exactly. Dance shows. Um, yeah. All right. Well, so Jake, so let's tell everyone your social media stuff. You're uh, the so the Bright Sun Films on the YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Bright Sun Films, right? Yeah, that's all you need to do. You can just search up Bright Sun Films on Google and uh, it'll take you right over to the channel if you want to check it out. And your Twitter is? Uh, Twitter is just at Bright Sun Films. I think that's my Instagram and uh, Snapchat and, and all yeah, that I think stuff. That's all, my social media. all that good stuff. Yeah. And visit your Patreon and check out all of your stuff. The Patreon has a link, I'm sure, on your YouTube channel. 
Yes, it does. And if anyone wants to check it out, I'd really appreciate it. It does help out uh, the channel a lot. Where did you come up with the name Bright Sun from? Just because the sun is bright? Uh, yeah, you would think so. I, I think I was first creating the channel. I was just going through a logo maker. <laughs> I just came across the uh, Bright Sun you know, logo or whatever, and I just thought, wow, that's a interesting name and hey, here we are today with well films. and are you and you love it hey that works i've done though i've tried those before yeah yeah it works that's cool and um this just occurred to me if you're gonna do another canceled perhaps look into roseanne roseanne oh that's a rough one now wouldn't That'll it be, be controversial. well that's all right i mean don't the tonight show was controversial that's true. No, Roseanne's actually a great, uh, great suggestion for that. That's uh, a very hot topic right now. Plus, I mean, you could just report on what happened. You don't have to be like Roseanne, that crazy bitch. Oh, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. Just kidding. We don't think that she's a crazy bitch. She just needs some help. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for calling in, Jake. I appreciate it. We've been talking to Jake Williams, calling in from his homeland of Canada, and his channel is Bright Sun Films. Check it out. He has a abandoned, canceled, bankrupt. And a bunch of other videos. He also there's also other channels, right? You also have a second channel, which is Jake Williams. Yeah, but that's just a bunch of crap. I don't think anyone was in my second channel. <laughs> so don't go to Jake Williams. <laughs> just check out Bright Sun Films, subscribe and check out his work. Jake, thanks so much for calling in. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. It's been fun. All right, talk to you soon. And uh, if you're ever in New York, make sure and hit us up. You can come in and be an official friend of the show. I sound good. All right, have a good night. All right, that was Jake Williams of Bright Sun Films. Uh, check out his work. It's a very cool, always well-researched, always entertaining. You've been listening to The Next Best Thing on Radio Free Brooklyn. We're just about out of time, but for the love of God, slap a baby. No, just kidding. Don't do that. For the love of God, pay attention. Apathy is the enemy. I say that every week. I mean it every week. Know what's going on in the world. Read, watch the news, have an opinion. Take some action and maybe make a change. For Radio Free Brooklyn, this has been The Next Best Thing. Until next week, I'm Jonathan B. Lerner. Good night, my friends. We could be famous, speak a different language, make our great escape. Thing.